from Cross to Fernhill, from, from High Cross Hill to Fernhill, from High Cross Hill and across the southeast of Glasgow. This is Cam This is Cam Radio, 107.9 FM, your local station. Telling your story with Joy Mitchell. theme by Mike Oldfield. Uh, why on earth were we playing that? Well, it's a time of year that we start to see messages on the media about a pet being for life, not just Christmas. Wise words indeed. And we need the reminders, unfortunately. But why? What is this draw of humans to animals? And can animals help us with our mental health? Hello, I'm Joy Mitchell. And today on Telling Your Story, I will be looking at a relationship with our pets. So, you know, you can expect lots of music or <laughs> something to do with pets. <laughs> but it's going to be a great show. I've got lots of uh, background information on our relationships with animals, how animals can help our mental health, and maybe just a few reminiscences as well. But let's move on with more music. Here is Maroon 5 with Animals. Baby, I'm playing on you tonight Hunt you down, eat you alive Just like animals, animals Like animals, moles Maybe you think that you can hide I can smell yourself for miles Just like animals, animals Like animals, moles Baby, I'm playing So what you trying to do to me? It's like we can't stop, we're animals I'm 
was Maroon 5 with animals. I'm not sure it was uh, exactly about pets, but you never know. It certainly had animals in the title, which is the theme of today's uh, show. Uh, we all know about guide dogs, seeing eye dogs, but can dogs help in other ways? Well, yes, they can. Uh, and actually, I decided to focus on the topic of pets and mental health when I saw a story yesterday on the BBC website. Uh, BBC's Breakfast, Charlie State and Naga Manchetti were joined on the sofa by Thunder, a therapy husky dog. And <laughs> cute it was too. Thunder's old owner, Adrian, told the duo that the NHS approved husky also had his own special antibacterial cologne that made him smell nice and clean for his visits to hospitals. I thought, goodness there's a story here and it's not just about thunder the husky so i think we'll talk a little bit more about uh you know how how dogs can help with perhaps medical conditions and uh, and so on a wee bit later on but first i thought well actually what is this relationship that humans have with with animals? When did it start? What actually is a pet? I mean, that's how we, how most of us will will have a relationship with animals, a live animal, and that is by having a pet. So, what actually is that? Well, it's any animal kept by human beings as a source of companionship and pleasure, while a pet is generally kept for the pleasure it can give to its owner. Often, especially with horses. Dogs, cats, as well as some domesticated animals, this pleasure appears to be mutual. Uh, so pet keeping can be described as a symbiotic relationship, one that benefits both animals and human beings. As the keeping of pets has been practised from prehistoric times to the present, and as pets are found in nearly every culture and society, pet keeping apparently satisfies a deep universal human need and perhaps you had a pet when when you were younger perhaps you have a pet now I, I don't currently have a pet but I certainly you know I, I associate pets with uh, when I was a child for sure and the history of pets is is intertwined with the process of animal domestication it's likely that the dog is the first domesticated species was also the first pet. Perhaps the initial steps towards domestication were taken largely through the widespread human practice of making pets of captured young wild animals. Eventually, a working relationship developed between dogs and their human captors, as they were at the time. The dog was swifter, had stronger jaws, and was better at tracking prey. Therefore, it could actually be of great use in hunting and guarding duties. From human beings, on the other hand, the dogs were assured of a constant supply of food as well as warmth from the fire. So there's an indirect evidence that the dog may have been domesticated and kept as a pet since Paleolithic times, which was a very long time ago. And that can be surmised from paintings and carvings that archaeologists have found in ancient campsites and tombs. In Mesopotamia, dogs that look remarkably like the present-day Mastiff were shown participating in a lion hunt. Domestic pets were often depicted in the scenes of family life in ancient Egypt. Hunting dogs of the greyhound or saluki type accompany their master to the chase, and lap dogs frequently sit under the chair of their master or mistress. What other animals do we associate with humans? Well... More after this, here is K 
Cat Stevens with I Love My Dog. Two for the price of one there. I love my dog as much as I love for you. For you may fade, my dog will always come through. All he asks from me is the food to give him strength All he ever needs is love And that he knows he'll get So I love my dog as much as I love you But you make a fame My dog will always come through All the pay I need comes to shining through his eyes I don't need no cold water to make me realize that I love my dog as much as I love you. For you make a fade, my dog will always come through. As I love you, for you make things, my dog will always come through. Fab stuff. That was Cat Stevens with I Love My Dog. My name is Joy Mitchell. You're listening to Telling Your Story on Cam Glen Radio 107.9 FM and perhaps uh, online too on www.camglenradio.org. Well, thanks for tuning in today. We are talking about animals, pets, um, how they can uh, support our mental health, which they, they clearly do. But first, we are looking at the history of, of our relationship with, with animals. How did they come to be pets? What was that all about? Well, a dog was perhaps the first domesticated animal. And next to the dog, horses and cats are the animals most intimately associated with human beings. Surprisingly, both these animal groups were domesticated rather late in our human history. There's no evidence that horses were domesticated in uh, Paleolithic or Mesolithic times. But by about 2000 BCE, horses used in chariot battles were an established phenomenon throughout the Middle East. It seems that riding astride horses was a practice developed a few centuries later. The cat, too, does not seem to have been domestic as a pet. Some would say the, the cat is still not domesticated as a pet because uh, they tend to rule us. Um, 
but the first sort of cat pets really were uh, during the, the New Kingdom period. And when was that? Well, it was about the 16th century BCE, and that was in Egypt. It's all the more strange, actually, as the ancient Egyptians had tamed many types of animals before this. Uh, lions, hyenas, monkeys, the Niogus, and, of course, dogs. Uh, and they'd done that since the Old Kingdom period. But once cats were finally domesticated, the popularity was enormous. Gradually, the cat became one, one of the most universally worshipped animals. And uh, I would say, don't they just love that? <laughs> As has been noted, the primary bond distinguishing a pet and owner relationship is affection. As useful as many of these animals are, what difference differentiates a pet from other economically useful, useful livestock? It's the degree of contact between the animals and human beings. Often this relationship has been unab unabashedly sentimentalized in myth, art and literature. The affection between Alexander the Great and his favourite horse, Bucephalus, uh, I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it, has become legendary. While in the modern age, the popularity of such canine motion picture stars as Rin Tin Tin and Lassie is further evidence of the importance placed in the relationship between owner and pet. Yeah, well, this might be a bit of an age test. I mean, I, I, I was brought up on Rin Tin Tin and Lassie films and, um, goodness, TV shows like Flipper and Skippy the Bush Kangaroo and who remembers Dak Tarry with Clarence the Cross-Eyed Lion and so on. I mean, absolutely brilliant stuff. And the pet and owner relationship is not only founded on companionship, since the earliest period of domestication, pets have fulfilled practical economic ends. Catching other animals to feed their human masters is one of the most fundamental uses um, of, of having pets in, you know, in, your, in your family. And not only dogs have served in this capacity, but cats, hyenas, I don't see many of them around the Campus Lang Rutherglen area, <laughs> and lions. They've also been used for hunting. The aristocratic, rather arcane sport of falconry made use of the natural talent of hawks to aid in hunting game birds. Pets have also been used for the purpose of guarding either other livestock, the home or territory of their owners, or the owners themselves. Any pet that has a sharp sense of smell or hearing and that makes a loud noise when aroused can be used as a guard. Although dogs are the best known examples of that, and we still see signs up in people's gates saying, beware of the dog. It's thought that the Nile Goose, a favourite household pet of the ancient Egyptians, may have served such a purpose. Although I haven't seen any notices up uh, recently saying, beware of the Nile Goose, but you never know, we might start a trend. The herding and guarding of livestock is another practical use of pets, in particular the dog. Over the centuries, many specialised breeds of dog have been developed to suit this purpose. Pets have also been used to eliminate animal pests. The rat-catching ability of cats is celebrated in fairy tales such as Puss in Boots and Dick Whittington, as is the snake-catching talent of the mongoose in Richard, uh, sorry, Rudyard Kipling's Ricky Ticky Tally. Of course, we, uh, you know, we have um, Larry the Cat in Number Ten Downing Street as well, who kind of ad adopted the government really for a place to stay. 
And finally, pets themselves have become a self-perpetuating industry bred for a variety of purposes, including their value as breeding animals. Pets that are bred for aesthetic purposes may have full-fledged show careers. Other pets may be bred for racing or other competitive sports. You still see um, ducats around the place um, where people were uh, looking after pigeons, racing pigeons. Um, and a pet can be a great source of comfort and motivation, as, as I think we know. And I think if you've got that personal experience of having a pet, you definitely know this. In many ways, pets can help us to live mentally healthier lives. And we'll turn our attention to this after a wee bit more music. Now, what will we have? Oh, I think, uh, I think in keeping with what we've just uh, talked about there, we'll have Rolling Stones with Wild Horses.
Well, yes, that was Hound Dog, but it wasn't by Elvis Presley. Anyone know who that was by? Anyone in the studio know who that was by? Mm-mm. Uh-uh. Big Mama Thornton. She did the, the original. It wasn't Elvis Presley. It was Elvis Presley that made it famous at the time, though. So there's a, there's a hint. We have some other people in the studio. We might bring one or two of them in a wee bit later on with some quotes and sayings and some chat. But... Um, Anton has has joined us today, and uh, he's he's just been telling me that William the Conqueror. Just nod if I've got this right. William the Conqueror had a pet. Is that right? It was yeah. A gift polar bear. Actually, it was it, given to him by the King of Norway back in the 10th, 11th century. So, in the eleventh century, the King of Norway gave William the Ca- the Conqueror a gift pet, and it was a polar bear. Wow. That would be great. I love polar bears. I, <laughs> but I didn't know they could be domesticated and become pets. But then there you go. That's what happens when you're the monarch, I suppose, and you're getting gifts from other other monarchs mm-hmm. in, in other countries. Polar bear. Well, I'll, I'll maybe look and see if we've got a track to do with polar bears. Uh, you never know. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, it, yeah, well, we're talking just before that, but a couple of bits of music actually about how emotionally attached we can get to our pets, and we 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 mentioned a couple of um, uh, TV shows and so on. And I was thinking actually, there's quite a few more. There's, as I mentioned, there's Flipper, Skippy the Bush Kangaroo. We played the Bu- the Blue Peter theme because who doesn't remember Shep? Well, I suppose any, anyone under the age of forty probably thinks Shep. What is that? Well, Shep was a very famous dog. Way back in the day. Kermit, of course, is the most popular frog. And I won't have anyone tell me Kermit is not a real frog. <laughs> and even Doctor Who had canine for a while. Well, maybe we don't want to mention that too much, depending whether you're a fan of uh, Doctor Who or not. But um, how can a pet actually help our mental health? Certainly there's lots of research and um a sort of analysis around it and I think anyone who has a pet probably does feel the benefit caring for a pet can help our mental health in many ways including things like increasing your physical activity dog owners are likely to take their pets for a walk or run every day sometimes twice a day so that can be a fun way to fit exercise into your routine Pets of whatever kind, including polar bears, I'm sure, and frogs and um, uh, robot dogs, uh, can provide companionship. In fact, so much so. I don't know, does anyone here remember Tamagotchis from about 20 or 30 years ago? Yep, hands are going up, heads are nodding. Tamagotchis, yeah. So (laughs) we had to actually invent a a, a pet for us, you know, for the technological age. Um, and yes, it had uh, elements of companionship in there. Uh, they can give you a sense of security and um, maybe someone to share the day with. Uh, caring for them can help you feel wanted and needed as well. And this can be especially valuable for older people or those who live alone. Pets can reduce anxiety. The companionship of a pet can help to ease your anxiety because you're not alone and you know the um the animal shows you affection and so on and you know helps maybe build your 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 personal values um and it can boost self-confidence pets can be great listeners sometimes the best listeners they can offer unconditional love and they won't criticize you 
This can help your self-confidence, especially if you feel isolated or misunderstood. And they can help you meet new people. Dog owners often stop and chat with each other on walks. But other pets can be a way to meet people too. In pet shops, training classes or online groups, for example. Actually, I've got a friend who uh, does dog walking um, as as a profession, and uh, you know she now has this this friendship group, this community that's built because everyone was out walking their dogs at the same time, and they got talking because they uh, they they all had that in common. Um, now, pets can also give you a reason to get up in the morning. In some instances. Actually, they're the best alarm clock and won't let you sleep in. <laughs> they can add structure to your day. Feeding, exercising and caring for a pet can help you keep to a daily routine, which can help you feel more grounded and focused. It can give your day purpose and a sense of achievement. Wow, yeah, it sounds like uh, pets really can help our uh, our mental health and our emotional health. And um, we'll talk a little bit more, I think, about that. We'll have some quotes as well from from Brenda uh, after another bit of music. And I've decided, well, yeah, we can talk about cats, we can talk about dogs, but my first pet was a caterpillar. So here's the cure.
Yeah, that was The Cure with The Caterpillar. Any excuse to play The Cure. But yeah, I, actually, I remember caterpillars when I was a kid. You know, we, uh, we had a, a tiny little vegetable patch in the garden and I used to go out and um, oh, there was lots of... Um, Oh, what do you call them? Uh, they're green caterpillars that turn into white butterflies. Maybe they're just called white butterflies. Uh, but yeah, I used to love them. I think lots of kids did. So we are at uh, almost 20 to 2. We've got more music. We've got more to talk about. We're going to take a, a slight break just now for some quotes. So uh, here's Brenda. You might know Brenda's voice. Um, Hi there. <laughs> she's involved with telling your story. She also has her own show <laughs> on uh, Lunchtime Friday. Give it a listen. So Brenda, you and Anton have been doing some research into some quotes, haven't you? What have you come up with? Okay. Um, animals are such agreeable friends. They ask no questions. They pass no criticism. And that's by Animal Reiki. And a lot of people do Reiki on animals now and massage, isn't it? That is really yeah. good what they can do with, yeah. with the animals. And another one is, until one has loved an animal, a part of one's soul remains unawakened. Oh, wow. That's, that's, nice, that's isn't powerful, it? Yes, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So, and then we just hear here, self-care is how you take your power back. So okay, well, and the link there with animals is about it, it's so. if you've got to, I think if you care for an animal mm -hmm. and you've got to got to look after an animal, this yeah. is the thing. Then you you can look after yourself because I find mm. that that um, I can't have animals because I live in a flat now, and oh, I miss them so much. Right. That that bond I had with my dog or my cat or the oh. things like that, it, and it does. It gives you it gives you like you say to get up in the morning to mm -hmm. get them or to feed them. It's responsibility. So yeah, that's why I think that comes from. Yeah. Oh, yeah. fantastic quotes there, Brenda. Thank you. I mean that first one about um, Reiki and Reiki dogs and, mm. and so on. I mean it's. I mean I think that ties in very nicely with the sort of symbiotic relationship that we have. Yeah. I mean that's what Reiki's about, isn't yeah. it? It's that yeah. kind of symbiotic relationship. Yeah. You don't just give Reiki as, you know, as a giver. You're you're receiving yeah, it too. Receive it, yeah. Um, and you know what what you were saying there about a. Uh, you know the the sort of self care. I, I think that that kind of ties into that as well because uh, I mean it ties in with one of the ways to well being, doesn't it? About yeah. um, you know giving. So if you're giving to a pet, an animal that you care for, then actually you're benefiting too. Yeah. And I I don't know the mind of an animal, but I've got a funny feeling that's probably what they're thinking too, yeah. that they're caring for us. Yeah. And of course, they're benefiting yeah. from that. And all the ones that do all the things for people is what's mm. so trained that uh, can open the fridge, can get your drink, and they can say if you're going to have a, a, a epileptic fit, a fit or something like that. It's yeah. really good. I mean, animals are wonderful. When we don't understand them quite as much as we should, I don't think, oh, we don't need, I think we don't need them. As much yeah. what you do, they're a good thing yeah. in life. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, you know, and, and, and for some people, this might be a controversial statement because this this will be how they relate to their animals. But as someone who doesn't have any animals in my life at the moment, I actually do find it just... Uh, uh, I'm slightly uncomfortable when, when people see their, their animals as, as their 
children. Now I can understand why mm. that is the case. Mm. I had a, certainly, you know, in my family, I had an, an, an aunt who didn't have human children. Yeah, and you know, she was able to give all this love to to her, you know, her pet dogs. Yeah. Um. So I do, I do kind of get it, but there's something. I'm just a little bit um, uncomfortable with assuming that that's the case because uh, animals aren't that dependent on us. You know, no. we depend on yeah. our animals too. Mm. Uh, so, you know, I think they're much more, um, uh, perhaps more like brothers or sisters than yeah. sons and daughters. Yeah. I don't know. Per personal personal opinion there, and that, that comes from someone who doesn't have pets. So uh, <laughs> just bear that in mind as well. Now, uh, Brenda, um, one of the other uh, reasons that they were such really good choices for quotes is that we're actually going to touch on exactly what you were talking about there about um, assist dogs. And you shared something about your own situation there as well, which is what if I can't have a pet? And that is what we're going to talk about okay. um, after the next bit of music, which is Al Stewart and Year of the Cat.
there with Year of the Cat. My name is Joy Mitchell. I have a couple of other people in the studio with me. We have Anton and we have Brenda. And today on Telling Your Story, we're talking about uh, the impact of 
um, the the relationship that we have with animals, whether that's pets or otherwise. Uh, now it's ten to two, so either I'm going to have to start speaking very very quickly, <laughs> or we might might play uh, just a, a couple of um, shorter bits of music, or maybe a combination of all of the above. But let's see what we've got. Well, just before that bit of music, we were talking about what if you can't have a pet? And there's lots of reasons why not. Brenda shared that. Well, she's um, you know, she's got history with dogs and cats and so on, but currently lives in a flat, and therefore she can't have those pets. Well, if you can't afford a pet, which is something that may be, um, you know, unfortunately true uh, at the moment, or maybe if you live somewhere you're not allowed one, or you're worried about having times where you're too unwell to care for a pet, there, there are actually some other options. The simplest option may be spending time with friends' pets, whether that's walking their dogs, stroking their cats, or cuddling their guinea pigs. Oh, we haven't thought of any music for guinea pigs. That's maybe another show. Uh, they might be glad to have someone to pet sit for them while they're on holiday. You can also consider signing up as a house sitter. You look after someone's home, garden, and any pets that they have in return for a free accommodation. And if you miss having a dog in your life, you could sign up to um, Borrow My Doggy. So that's a, a, a service in the UK uh, where, yeah, you can you can borrow a dog for a while. Uh, they connect dog owners to local people who would love to walk or play with a dog. So you, if you don't have a, a friend who happens to have a dog, um, then look at Borrow My Doggy and see see what you can find there. There's also the Cinnamon Trust. Uh, they need volunteer dog walkers to help out older people or those with a health condition or disability. That means they can't walk their dog as easily anymore. They also need people to foster pets while their owners are in hospital. That's the Cinnamon Trust. Or you could contact a rescue centre near you to see what volunteering opportunities they may have. They may need volunteers to exercise, care for and socialise their, their pets. Uh, you could consider fostering an animal if you have a pet on a short-term basis but can't commit to one long-term. Some shy or scared animals need the peace and quiet of a home while waiting to be adopted. And a couple of organisations you, you may have heard of. There's Cats Protection and Dogs Trust. And they both need people to provide temporary foster care for pets belonging to people maybe fleeing domestic violence who may not be able to take their pet into a refuge with them. Okay, so I, I, I do want to spend a couple of minutes talking about um, it's a therapy dogs. Uh, but we are going to play a little bit of music. It was suggested by Anton. It's the Toy Dolls. Nelly the elephant. We'll keep we'll keep that short. Um, those who have been around Cam Glen Radio for for quite uh, some time may remember Nelly the elephant. When we we started, we used to used to sing and play this quite a lot. To save time, I won't I won't uh, mention the story, but <laughs> it might be that if your interest is piqued, you can ask one of the uh, the original volunteers, and they can tell you. Okay, so. Here's Toy Toy Dogs with Nelly the Elephant. Thank you. Stop. Thank you. Stop. Thank you. Stop. Stop. 
Scott. This one's called Nelly the Elephant. To Bombay, a travelling circus came. They brought an intelligent elephant, and Nelly was her name. One dark night, she slipped her iron chain, and off she ran to Hindustan and was never seen again. That's enough of Nelly the Elephant. <laughs> I've got some important stuff to, to share. So, uh, what you know, the thing that actually started my exploration um, off the topic today, and that's about therapy dogs. So, Therapy Dogs Nationwide is a national charity where visiting volunteers uh, take their own dogs into establishments to provide comfort, distraction, and stimulation. Their volunteers have the unique privilege of volunteering with their own temperament-tested therapy dogs, some with over 10 years of experience and always focused on benefiting people in the community. Now, using animals, especially dogs, as therapy is not a new idea. Uh, they've been used for over 40 years and experienced in the care sector and a lot of um, the volunteers have roots uh, with Leslie Scott Ordish, who was a pioneer in visiting with taking your own pet dog to nursing homes. Um and the benefits of animal-assisted therapies, or AAT for short, have been extensively studied and results range from improvement in general health and well-being, increased confidence levels, improved and controlled movement to improved communication skills. Volunteers and therapy dogs work with a wide group of people within the community. Our work in, or rather their work in residential care homes um, have improved communication in residents and patients by evoking memories and stimulating conversation. The dogs have also shown to, to help with special needs and autistic children and adults by giving focus and providing a calming environment. And they regularly visit local hospitals and hospices where patients and staff interact with the dogs and look forward uh, to the visits. Um, and, we, you know, I think we have all heard of, um, a, you know, assist dogs when it comes to guide dogs, seeing eye dogs. But there's, there's all sorts of, uh, you know, situations and conditions that they help with. Brendan mentioned, Brenda mentioned um, about... 
they can spot when perhaps an epileptic seizure is about to happen. Um, I was I was also reading about uh, dogs that can support if a panic attack is about to about to start. So there's there there's all sorts of ways that animals um, can can support us through life. Now a couple of the testimonials on um, therapy dogs nationwide website I think really kind of sum it up. Um, Val and Maisie are integral members of our school family. All the children in the pause and read scheme have met or exceeded their targets. And as a result, they've also developed confidence and self-esteem. Bramble's visits are loved by our residents. A visiting dog brings back many memories to our care home residents. This lovely dog helps them relax and encourages conversation. And Charlie doesn't judge me for why I'm in prison. He doesn't know I've done wrong. I love him and he loves me and I look forward so much to his visits. Uh, They make me sad and happy at the same time. He helps me so much. And that's a female prisoner uh, in HMP Newhall where there's um, a a therapy dog uh, programme as well. Well, we've got just under two minutes before Alan joins us. So that's my cue to vacate the seat and let him get set up. So thank you very much for listening today. Thank you for for joining us. Um, Tune in next Sunday for more Telling Your Story. Thank you so much to Brenda and Anton for helping with the show today. And uh, we wish you a very happy rest of Sunday. So let's see if we can get about a minute of Pet Shop Boys with Go West. Bye for now.